the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now. Seven minutes after 10 o'clock on this Monday, it's the 14th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2022. We covered a lot of important ground with uh, Jim Jordan in hour number one. If you missed it, you should hear it. Go to whkradio.com and uh, check it out for yourself on the uh, podcast page. Take a look at Always Right, hour number one with Jim Jordan, and you will, uh, you'll be able to catch up on what you missed. I've got a lot of ground I want to cover here in the second half hour, or excuse me, an hour in the first half hour, because uh, at 1035 we're going to talk with uh, two guests who are going to be our guest presenters on Wednesday. If you have not yet registered for that, uh, I will encourage you to tap out on your browser, whether it be a phone or a keyboard or whatever, citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio. And you will be taken to the Ohio page as uh, our Ohio chapter of Citizens for Free Speech has our February webinar ready to go for Wednesday, this Wednesday, the 16th. So when you go to the Ohio page, click on uh, the little button that says click here to register for our event so that you can participate in this Zoom webinar. And you can ask questions of our guests at the end of it. Uh, it's a very important one. I can just tell you that right now. You know it because you've been following this and following this show. Uh, you know how important it is what's going on in our uh, schools right now, in particular with the um, extraordinary uh, indoctrination that's going on. So we're going to have Jonathan Broadbent and Linda Harvey on to talk about Transform to tech Transparency, uh, Roadmap to Return Education to America's Schools. It's big. It's important. So that's coming up. Uh, register for the webinar on our web page, as I just said, but also tune in to Jonathan and Linda giving us more info here in about uh, 30 minutes. Okay, um, let me get a call in here before I move on, because I do want to talk about some other important things, but I know there are other people who are wanting to weigh in on the Durham report and the information that has been now presented, enough to get at least one indictment, that Team Hillary, the Clinton campaign back in 2016, paid a tech company to infiltrate the servers of Trump National, or excuse me, Trump Tower, rather, uh, while he was the uh, candidate for the Republican Party, and then infiltrate the servers of the White House in order, when he was president of the United States, in order to establish some sort of link, or at least create one, invent one, fabricate one, a link between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin all to try to invalidate his presidency and his victory in 2016. Uh, it's extraordinary. It really is, and it's so dangerous. It makes Watergate, as I said before, look like somebody just spied through a peephole in somebody's clubhouse. I mean, it really does. It dwarfs uh, what happened with Watergate. Uh, so if you have thoughts on that, we'll take them. 216-901-0945. Brian does, and he's next in Cleveland. Hey, Brian, go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, two things real quick, and I'll jump and let you talk about it. But, sure. uh with the whole spying thing, would it be considered espionage? 
espionage or treasonous at the very least. And then let's just go and say the unlikelihood that these indictments actually become prosecutable. Who's to say Brandon ain't just going to sign a paper and say, hey, your pardon. See you later, buddy. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later, Bob. Thanks. Great great points. Thanks for the call. Uh, in my opinion, my non-law school graduate opinion, uh, yeah, it's it's at the very least sedition, if not outright treason, spying on a president of the United States, sitting president. I mean, this would be this would be treasonous if you were spying just on a candidate or on a past president. But spying on a sitting president in order to fabricate a connection through the digital servers to try to make something up to frame him as being connected to the Kremlin and and relying on Vladimir Putin's outside influence to impact or control the American election of 2016? You talk about an attack on democracy. That would be an attack on democracy. The left likes to use that phrasing. That would be a legitimate attack on democracy. The duly elected President of the United States uh, being set up and framed as having been not duly elected, but rather reliant upon a foreign power's influence on the election, that that would change the outcome of the election, which would thus remove Donald Trump from office. How is that anything but treasonous? So I'm with you on that. Will it rise to that? I don't know. But I will also say this about the second part. What if Joe Brandon would just go ahead and give a pardon to anybody who was convicted of such things? I don't think there's a likelihood of that because I don't think this is moving on the pace that, quite frankly, it should. So there's some good and bad with that. Um, It took us two and a half years of Durham beginning his investigation just to get to this, much less to then get it into a courtroom for, for all of the bad actors here, not just Sussman. But to get all of the other bad, Mark Elias, like um, uh, Jim Jordan was just talking about, to get all of the bad actors in play here, arrested, you know, indicted, arrested, um, you know, trials held and convictions happened and appeals being uh, being heard before you know a potential pardon would be given, uh, I, the pace that they're on right now, I just can't, I can't imagine this lasting till uh, or getting done before twenty twenty four. I really don't think it's on that kind of a pace. So I don't know that there necessarily would be a Brandon in power in order to give such a pardon, but we will wait and we will see. Of course, he could just say right now, even as far as Sussman, the only one indicted, up, oh, I give him a pardon. But I think that would guarantee, those kinds of things would guarantee a loss for the Democrats, not just this November in the, um, uh, in the uh, midterms, but I think in 2024, no matter who the candidate would be, that type of just blatant corruption, I think, would be really, really rough for them to overcome. Okay, <clears throat> now, having said that, I want to get into another story, um, because this is, uh, this, is just, this is just something. We all know that at our southern border, <clears throat> and this story isn't about, our, isn't about our southern border, by the way, but we all know that our southern border, we are being infiltrated. We are being invaded, quite frankly, by by illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. Many of them, not what people try to think and, or the left tries to make you think, is just harmless Mexican <laughs> Mexican migrant farm workers coming to, to work in the United States and pursue the American dream. No, no, no. They're coming from over 100, verified, over 150 countries around the world. People are somehow finding their way to, uh, you know, the... the um, uh, Northern Triangle of countries in Central America making their way up to Mexico and through Mexico to come to the United States. They're coming from all around the world. And they're not just migrant farm workers. 
so many of them are drug runners, cartel members, gang members, human traffickers, and on down the line. We all know this. But at that southern border, despite all of those threats, the Biden slash Brandon administration is not requiring COVID passports. They're not requiring vaccine passports or negative tests. They're just allowing them to come in. And then, as we've seen, with massive lines of adult-aged males, not with children, because remember, that was the first excuse. Ah, we just don't want to let unaccompanied minors in loose into the country here. they got to let their adults with them. Um, but individuals, single males, in lines, adult-aged males being just hustled onto buses and onto airplanes and being distributed all throughout this country, regardless of their COVID status. That's the backdrop for this story, as the Brandon administration has given orders or advising is advising Americans in Ukraine to get out now. Get out of Ukraine. Why? Because Russia could very well invade at any time. It could be a very dangerous place to be. You could find yourself in the middle of a war zone. So the government is urging Americans in Ukraine to get out. Seek safe haven. Get on something. Get on a bus. Get on a private private airplane. Get on a commercial flight. Just get out. According to the State Department advisory, the security situation in Ukraine continues to be unpredictable due to the increased threats of Russian military action and can deteriorate with little notice. U.S. citizens in Ukraine should depart immediately using commercial or other privately available transportation options. Now, one of those options would be to cross the land border that is shared with Poland. Come on into Poland. Americans, do what you got to do to get out of Ukraine. One of the options should be getting into Poland. However, you have to remember, when you're going into Poland, quote, U.S. citizens must present a valid U.S. passport and proof of a COVID-19 vaccination. Travelers are also encouraged to present a negative test uh, from a PCR antigen COVID-19 test, which will facilitate entry into Poland. Now, if I stopped the story there, we could just, you know, pick our jaws up off the ground and try to say, oh, my God, the hypocrisy. We don't require COVID vaccinations for foreigners coming into this country through our southern border illegally. But we are mandating that American citizens show COVID-19 uh, vaccinations before they can escape a war zone, which Ukraine may become, to go into a third country, to go into Poland. We care more about requiring COVID protections for the Poles than we do for the Americans. Their border respected more than our border. But the story doesn't stop there. I could stop the story there and we could just rail about the hypocrisy and the extraordinary danger of such a a policy. But then let's add one more element into it. Poland itself says, not necessary. There is no restriction whatsoever to go into Poland if you're an American citizen fleeing Ukraine. This according to the Poles. You understand that? The government of Poland has welcomed Americans to come on in 
through their land border, their shared border with Ukraine. And there is no restriction. No restriction. No advanced documentation is required. No passport even. And especially no proof of COVID-19 vaccination or negative tests. So the polls are saying, hey, you're fleeing what could be a war zone. We respect that. We get that. We are allies with the United States. Americans, come on in. Get yourself out of the firing lines. No restrictions. Just get here. We'll take care of you or help you get back to your country. Right? That's what the polls are saying. This is what truly providing asylum means. The American left likes to talk about asylum and how these asylum seekers from, you know, El Salvador or Guatemala or Honduras or Mexico or whatever, these asylum seekers are fleeing some sort of war zone or some sort of persecution for their religious beliefs. We have to welcome them in because we have asylum laws. They're not fleeing any of those things. They live in what President Trump once fondly called blank hole countries, and they're miserable and they want to come to where it's better. That's not asylum. That's just that's just um, desired immigration to a better country. But the left likes to call it asylum, which would be when somebody is fleeing, again, for their safety because of the, per- the persecution by a government or by fleeing a war zone. Well, here we have in Ukraine a potential war zone. So potential, so um, likely threatening that the State Department is telling Americans to get out and get to say a safe place. Literally, go seek asylum in a neighboring country, like Poland. And Poland says, yeah, come on in. And the American State Department says, oh, by the way, before you go in, we're going to make you show something that even the host country, Poland, doesn't require you to have, because we say so. So here's what I am asking. Here's what I want to know. If the State Department believes that war is imminent in Ukraine because of an invasion by the Russians, and they know that such a war would be potentially dangerous and deadly for American citizens, so much so that they're telling American citizens to get out, and if those American citizens can't produce vaccine passports, they can't get into Poland, they are forced to stay in Ukraine. Do the math. Help me out here. Does 1 plus 1 plus 1 equal 3? Because I think it does. I think all three of those things that I just said lead us to one escapable, inescapable conclusion. The Biden administration says, if you're unvaccinated, you deserve to die. Right? Am I going too far? Is that a stretch? Number one, we believe that war is imminent. Number two, you should flee and get away any way you can. Number three, but you must show a vaccine passport to flee. That's one plus one plus one. What's the conclusion? If you're unvaccinated, you don't get to flee. You've got to stay in the war zone. Good luck. If you die, that's on you. Should have gotten the jab. If you get stuck in a war situation with Russian troops invading Ukraine, that's on you. Should have gotten the jab. Am I, am I, am I overstating it that 
the branded administration's stated position is, if you're in Ukraine as an American citizen and you're unvaccinated, you don't deserve protection. You don't deserve the right to go into Poland and flee the situation. You deserve to die. You tell me. You tell me how I'm in any way wrong about that. I don't think you'll be able to. Because we're always right on AM 1420, The Answer. Right back. Always right with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Tell me what Joe Biden's done right. I mean, there's literally not one single thing you can point to. He said he was going to unite the country. A few minutes after he said that on Inauguration Day a year ago, he walked in and signed 20 executive orders that divide the country. He's record inflation, record crime, record illegal crossing. Uh, no, no, no kind of strength or, or vision from the Oval Office when it comes to foreign policy. The debacle that was the exit from Afghanistan, now what's happening on the borders of, of, of Ukraine with tens of thousands of Russian troops there. I mean, there is not one thing they have done they have done that that you can point to that was positive for the nation. So uh, I'm surprised that there's 45 percent of Democrats that 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 uh, actually think he's doing OK. Jim Jordan had uh, a lot to say in the first half or first hour of the program. Rather, he joined us at 935. If you missed it, uh, listen to it at whkradio.com. Uh, on the podcast page, he's talking about Joe Brandon's uh, uh, approval rating there, which it's not even his approval rating. It was just, do you want your guy to run for re-election? After one year in office, do you want him around for seven more? 45% of Democrats said no. Now, normally this would be like, you know, a no-brainer. It's like 92%. 92% of the uh, uh, party in power's supporters would say, yeah, of course I want my guy for for, for full two terms, right? Only 8% or so, generally speaking, would say no because just because they support a different Democrat. Maybe somebody they wanted in the first place instead of Biden. But only 45%, or rather 45% said they want him to run again. 45%. That's extraordinary. And one of the reasons has to be what I just talked about. The policies of the Brandon administration by way of the Blinken-led State Department is, or are, if you're fleeing a war zone, you better have your jab or you can just sit there and dodge grenades. Dodge the missiles, the bombs, the bullets. Get your jab or take your bullets. Your choice. Is Again, I ask you, is there another way to see or hear what I just told you from the Brandon administration? Christina Peshaw is the... Um, press secretary for Ron DeSantis down in Florida. She wrote this. The email from State Department to Americans in Ukraine is strange. Poland doesn't require proof of vaccination for American citizens who want to enter the country. So this is a Biden administration policy? Leave the unvaccinated in a potential war zone? Question mark. Yes! Exactly, that's what this is. Don't ask it as a question. Put an exclamation point there. Leave the unvaccinated in a potential war zone. If they didn't take the jab, they don't care about their lives anyway. And they don't care about the lives of others. They're being unsafe. They're not protecting their fellow citizens, their family members, their grandmas, their children. If they're in uh, Ukraine and they're unjabbed, then you know what? You stay there. Let's see if you don't care about your life. Let's see how you deal with the Russian invasion. The Poles are saying, no, come in here. You're welcome. 
And the American State Department says, no, we're going to control that border. We're not going to control our southern border, but we're going to have checkpoints on the Ukrainian-Polish border to stop Americans from fleeing a war zone, despite being advised by the same department to flee the war zone. We're going to stop them from doing so if they have not yet been jabbed. And I'm kind of curious if they'll require the boost, too. What if somebody fleeing Ukraine shows, I've gotten two shots. Let me out of here. Let me into Poland. Are the American troops operating upon the orders of the State Department going to say, where's your booster proof? No boost? Sorry. Turn around and go back. Good luck to you. This is, this is, the, this is Joe Biden's America. And since we're talking about Ukraine and Poland now, apparently this is Joe Biden's world. I'll be right back. From their woke slumber. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 1037 now. Uh, let's pivot away from some of that stuff for a few and talk about what's going on inside your kids' classrooms. Why? Well, because what's more important than that? Honestly, um, the, the, the fight we've had with academia has been going on for a very, very long time in terms of their left-wing indoctrination, uh, generally speaking, for years and years and years at the collegiate level, in the last you know decade, decade and a half or so, maybe really infiltrating into the high school and the middle school levels, and now it's just right on pre 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 K. They're they're indoctrinating kids with all kinds of different things, literally up through the primary grades and more. It's just getting worse as time goes on, and. What makes that worse is it used to just be the educators we had to fight with, just the academics, just the professors, just the teachers, just the school board members. Now we got to fight the federal government. Now the federal government, the Department of Justice, weaponizing the FBI, among other agencies, to stop parents from finding out what's going on in those schools and learning about it and perhaps being heard in an effort to stop it or to have a say in it. That's what makes this such an extraordinary time. And this extraordinary time is going to lead to all times. Because if we don't take these younger generations of kids right now and get them back to education rather than indoctrination, what does that portend for the future of this country? What does that mean in, in 15 to 20 years? What about today's five-year-olds when they're next, you know, in, in 15 years, they're the uh, next college generation, and they're already so far gone that there's no chance of turning them back? Um, it's, it's, it's an extraordinary time, and that's why we're doing what we're doing on Wednesday. Citizens for Free Speech, Ohio Chapter, 7.30 Wednesday, uh, Wednesday evening. We're going to be having our uh, first um, uh, Ohio webinar of the year, and it's going to be based on the issues that we are just talking about right now. And we have got we have two tremendous presenters who are going to talk about the threats our kids face. 
One is Jonathan Broadbent. We've talked to Jonathan before on these airwaves about a number of things as he has fought and been at countless numbers of school board meetings at districts all across this uh, Northeast Ohio region trying to stop critical race theory and all kind of, and and also quite frankly um, a critical queer theory or gender theory. Jonathan Broadbent is the uh, North Region Chair of Protect Ohio Children. Jonathan, good to have you back. How are you? Good. Good morning, Bob. Thanks Your for having me back on the air. It's good to have you, Jonathan, and it's good to, going to be good to have you Wednesday night, too. Your co-presenter is Linda Harvey, president of Mission America. Uh, Linda, thank you so much for joining us. How are you this morning? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited. It's a weird word to say because it's such a serious subject that we're dealing with, but I am excited to have you two uh, teaming up to make this presentation on Wednesday evening, headlined, uh, Transform to Transparency, a Roadmap to Return Education to America's Schools. Now, the two of you, again, you know, come from different organizations, but you have obviously shared goals. So I'm very interested to see how this whole thing is going to work out in your tag team effort on Wednesday. So, Jonathan, for now, I want you to tell me uh, your side, not your side of things, but give me your perspective, what you were going to bring to the viewers on Wednesday evening from the vantage point of Protect Ohio Children. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of new things to add for anybody that's heard me speak on uh, the Bob Franz show before. One is there's an element here that we're really focusing on having to do with the issue is never the issue. The revolution is the issue, which is a Saul Alinsky quote. We're noticing, as we've been focused for the past year on things like critical race theory and this gender theory, etc., some really uh, malicious things have been going on behind the scenes. One of the things I want to make sure is part of our conversation each and every time is keeping an eye on what school boards are doing. We noticed it last year, but then even I and even our group who's really focused on these school boards and what they're doing kind of took our eye off the ball maybe a little bit and weren't paying enough attention to school board policies. And we're, we're finding out now that while we've been battling these things and we've got uh, folks going into school board meetings and, and fighting back against masking and the potential of mandatory shots and all sorts of terrifying things for children, school board policies have surreptitiously been changed. And just a quick note on that, Bob, most school boards require three reviews of any policy change before it can become effective, and then they vote on it. What we're finding is that people are going into school board meetings, battling against them and saying, hey, stop doing this terrible stuff to our children. We're worried about you know, boys in the girls' bathroom and masking, etc." And after they're done sort of raising their, their uh, ire and, and voicing their concerns to the school board, the school board is voting on these changes taking place uh, for policies, and they are just ridiculous. They're sweeping and broad. So we're going to touch on that a little bit on Wednesday. Um, Jonathan, just to make sure I understood that. Um, yeah, just to make sure I understood that. Uh, the policies require three reviews. What constitutes a review? Just sitting there for a few minutes and listening to parents say, we don't like it, and then saying, okay, we've had a review, we vote on it now, and, and they, they go about their business? Is that what you're saying? Well, actually, that, that, would, that would probably be an update, or an upgrade, I should say. That would be better than what we have now. What's happening is the agenda is released, uh, and I ran into this firsthand in Beechwood schools. Beechwood was in the middle of massive sweeping changes to their policy. There were hundreds of them, and most, I would say half or most of them would be objectionable, but they 
actually last year, the first two of three reviews were virtual. So they had two or three people zoom in to the school board meeting, and then they would get to uh, the third review, the third successive school board meeting, nobody having any awareness whatsoever that the changes were even happening. It just, it was, it was luck of the draw's happenstance. And you and I spoke on this, but I, I just, I want to talk about all the, the important issues to parents, critical race theory, social emotional learning, et cetera. And Linda is brilliant and amazing at, at what she has uncovered and written about concisely. Um, but I, I'm interjecting that because I'm making a point of it in every conversation and, uh, and want to get that important element out to your listeners. Be aware of and pay close attention to what school boards are doing behind the scenes. Very important advice. I completely agree. Jonathan Broadbent of Protect Ohio Children. Linda, you are, in addition to President of Mission America, also a member of the Protect Ohio Children Coalition. So obviously you are working hand-in-hand with Jonathan here. Can you tell me, and, and, and I want to get specific here if I can, because... I read one of your comments, Linda Harvey, in a recent uh, message from the Ohio Value Voters Organization, uh, talking about this, for example, this workshop to train public school teachers in Parma, specifically the Northeast Ohio Diversity Center teaming up with Parma schools to have a training on how to accept and affirm the LGBTQ lifestyle. And you are quoted as saying the content of this workshop is so shocking, it's clear that most parents would not want teachers to be trained in homosexual activism, but essentially what this workshop that's what this workshop is all about. Can you tell us more about that, Linda, and is this the kind of thing that we're going to learn more about on Wednesday evening? Yes, we'll be talking more about that, Bob, on Wednesday evening. Um, this all comes under the, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion banner, which is all part of social-emotional learning. So we'll talk a little bit about those frameworks and how people need to watch out for that in their d- different schools. But, yes, uh, addressing the Parma situation, it's also the same similar kind of training has been done uh, in the central Ohio area in the, uh, the Hilliard schools and in the Cincinnati area in Marymount, uh, where you have an actual I believe the Northeast Ohio Diversity Center is uh, our homosexual activists. I mean, when you look at the content of this workshop, and also in Hilliard and also in Marymount, actual homosexual activist groups training teachers, getting tons of time to present them with how they should, you know, address pronouns, and they really need to start with all the different kinds of weird pronouns, uh, the whole lexicon of of mythology on uh, genderqueer and non-binary and transsexual versus transgender versus um, gender gender fluid and all of their their nonsense. It's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And our our parent our our teachers are being told you need to understand all of this, and it's being presented as if this is the one accepted viewpoint. As if there are not traditional parents out there who are going, "Are you kidding me? This is has no place." In, in many areas of America, period, but certainly not with our minor children in schools. Linda, I'm going to stay with you here uh, for this next part because I can already hear the shrieking and the shouting. Um, you're anti-gay. You are going to harm gay kids, um, many of whom are born that way and not being recruited into it by, which I think is an active process, by the way, recruiting more for the LGBTQ community, particularly to the trans community where kids are being encouraged to be something that they're not. 
Um, but they're going to say, you know, what what is your problem with with educating teachers about about gay kids so they know how to handle them better? They're, they're, there's going to be a difference. They're going to say between that and dealing with the trans movement, where they're trying to talk kids into uh, and uh, convert them from something that they are, which is natural and biological and spiritual, into something they're not, just because it's the trendy thing to do. Uh, well, having dealt with this for twenty some years in my ministry. Uh, and being labeled, you know, hateful, even by the Southern Poverty Law Center. I think, you know, you you just keep uh, going and saying, no, we don't hate anybody. That's your interpretation. Why can we not have a dialogue about this and actually uh, look at the facts? There is no clear evidence that anyone is born this way or born in the wrong sex body. That research has fallen flat, and we have to get some some guts here in the conservative and Christian movement and stand up and say, you don't define what I know. I know I'm not a hater, and here's what I want for my children. I don't want my children taught that uh, the anti-science position, that you use your body in these weird and strange ways, or uh, alternatively, you also, you know, uh, amputate healthy body parts and take uh, opposite sex hormones, in which case you're damaging your body for life. So the idea that there is higher suicide, that's uh, that's a manipulative strategy to try to get parents to fall in line. There's no evidence that that's the case. In fact, there's the opposite. There's evidence that people that stay in the, the uh, opposite sex gender identity are at much higher risk their entire lives for um, suicide, the same in homosexuality. We don't want kids to go down these roads, and we know many, many former homosexuals, former transgenders, uh, there's, if we got a chance to talk to the teachers in a workshop or somebody, you know, from the other perspective, there's a wealth of evidence we could lay out to say, no, 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 this is, this is not, does not promote well-being and long-term welfare for your child. And I think that's what ultimately uh, determines this to be indoctrination. They're not presenting two different points of view or two different sets of scientific information and so forth. They're just, you know, pushing one agenda. So, Jonathan, that's Linda Harvey, the president of Mission America. Jonathan uh, Broadbent is... uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, North... I want to say Northeast Region again. I've got to get your whole thing right. Uh, A leader for Protect Ohio Children. Jonathan... I sent you uh, a couple of days ago an article from the Epic Times uh, headlined Fourth School Accused of Secretly Helping Children Turn Transgender. So when I say recruiting, this is, of course, what I'm talking about. And these are examples of teachers, administrators, and coercing students into um, renaming and repronouning, if I can make that strange verb, uh, young children who may on be on the the verge or or teetering on what they think they are, uh, and 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 pushing them full on into transgenderism. But that's bad enough. The worst part is they are telling those students in those classrooms and schools, do not tell his parents. Don't let them know that we are helping this child convert into something that we kind of want him to be or her to be as a part of this. Uh, this transgender movement. Um, so you, that's just, that, that article was just four examples. And if there are four examples highlighted in one article, it's happening hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times all across America. How dangerous is that? It's incredibly dangerous. And we've seen it in action for years. And we're talking about this, um, quite frankly, as if it's this new wave, this new inclusion of material into K through 12 education 
And really, quite frankly, it isn't. It's ramped up and it's accelerated. It's like the stuff that's been there for 50 years on steroids now, but it's been there for a long time. And just sort of anecdotally, I'll tell you that about four years ago, in a conversation with Alex Newman, by the way, if your listeners aren't familiar with Alex Newman, I suggest looking him up. Alex Newman told me personally to get my children out of public school. I thought at the time that was really uh, sort of exaggerated hyperbole and that, like, that maybe he was just trying to make a point. I've, I've come around to that conclusion, among other things, by looking at what this, what this movement is designed to look like. And we, we, there are tangible examples out there. You can look at pockets of Southern California and Baltimore school district. I'm sorry to single them out, but they're further along this evolution of this material than we are even in the most uh, far left of, of Ohio school districts. And you can see what's happening, like Portland, Oregon. The result is significantly, severely dumbed down and, and educationally hampered children. I mean, we're graduating kids right now with, um, we're lucky to have literate children, but they're gender confused. Um, they're anxious. They're, they're um, everything you don't want as a parent. Uh, the drug addiction is becoming higher, and we're moving further along that spectrum. Bob, just to kind of put, put a point on that, and one thing that I, I, I make a point of bringing up in every conversation, just to try to capture the interest of as broad a spectrum of people as possible, I put it in this context. We have public school educations, uh, educational systems, in order to cater to the broad spectrum of society. It shouldn't be really anywhere too far to the right or too far to the left. What I'm advocating for and what Protect Ohio Children first and foremost wants in public school education uh, is educational excellence. And I say that if we don't have educational excellence, why are we talking about this other stuff? Why are we talking about addressing gender theory. Those resources exist in society outside of school. It's not like if we don't bring it in, if we don't talk to children in K through 12, somehow they're going to fall off the grid and be traumatized and, and, um, and have these terrible lives without access to medical right. and uh, social emotional interaction. Those resources are prevalent in the world. Putting them into K through 12 makes no sense whatsoever in an environment, especially in an environment where K through 12, we're tanking. Our nation, we spend. And, and, and I got to jump just, in here, John, because we're, we're short on time here. Yeah. So I got to, I got to cut you there, but that's okay because what we did sure. was pique the interest, I hope, of a lot of people. And by the way, I want to hit this before we sign off. Um, please, if you are skeptical, of some of the things that Jonathan and Linda have talked about here, whether it be about gender theory and that that uh, uh, that agenda, or whether it be about critical race theory or any of the other things that we're talking about and they're talking about, 
You don't have to be in agreement with them to tune in, watch this presentation. In fact, if you are somebody who thinks that they're off the, the, the mark here and that the schools should be able to do exactly what they're doing, please watch and participate Participate by listening and learning and then asking questions in the Q&A session that we'll have at the end of the webinar on Wednesday evening. I know that Linda and Jonathan are more than happy to talk to everybody about this, particularly those who have differing points of view. That's what free speech is all about, by the way, and that's why this is being held by Citizens for Free Speech. So Jonathan Broadbent and Linda Harvey will be the co-presenters, Transform to Transparency, a Roadmap to Return Education to America School, Wednesday night, this Wednesday, two days from now, Wednesday the 16th, 7.30 p.m., and you can register to be a part of that webinar at uh, uh, citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio. Click the register button there, and we would love to have you be a part of this. Jonathan, uh, Linda, thank you both very much for what you're doing. Thank you in advance for Wednesday evening, and we'll talk to you then. Thank you, Bob. All right, all the best to you. We'll take our final time out and come back and wrap it up after this. Okay, 1058, I've got literally 50 seconds for Dave in Broadview Heights. Dave, go ahead, uh, wrap it up for us. Hey, Bob, it's Dave from Broadview Heights. Thanks. Great show. Um, yeah, I have two kids in middle school. It's uh, very frightening what they're saying to manipulate them in this manner. Um, one question I had, though, was mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're told to believe that people are born gay, but we're told they're not born with their gender. So how can you be born without your gender identified, but you can be born gay? Yeah, that's a puzzler. If you don't know your gender, if you don't know your gender yet, how can you be born gay? Yeah. Well, you know the way, and thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. This is going to be very, very uh, interesting uh, listening and learning and discussing on Wednesday night because that's a great question because people always and I asked uh, you know Linda about that before people can say oh, how how can you condemn or how can you be anti-gay when a kid doesn't have any choice and that of course has been a big debate point on this issue for for the history of humanity quite frankly about whether you're born gay or you choose to be gay that discussion will be held as a part of the in uh, the uh, uh, webinar on Wednesday night. Thanks so much to everybody for being a part of the show today. If you missed Jim Jordan and if you missed our interview with Jonathan and Linda, check out whkradio.com on the podcast page. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.